Hi, good morning. So today I just kind of wanted to check back in. Um, yesterday's episode was honestly kind of, I, I would say kind of like a chaotic kind of manic just because um, I was really highly emotional, really uh, anxious. I don't know if you could tell, but I could. Um, today I'm a little bit more zen out, a little bit more calm. Um, I you know, this is just part of being me and I'm totally okay with it. And I really accept my feelings as they come. Um, I'm somebody who thinks that emotions are really important and not that I let my life be dictated by emotions and anything like that. I really try to mitigate them and work, you know, with my emotions, not just let my emotions lead me. But I'm, I am somebody who is very, very, very against suppression of emotion and, um, you know, of course, there's being, you know, following etiquette and being appropriate and like social protocol and all that. And I feel like that is important to just kind of keep the wheels turning and the world's going and to keep people, you know, you know, I, I mean, emotional work is energetic work. So it takes energy and it takes, you know, work. It is work, like I said. So, you know, you do have to be in control of yourself and be responsible for yourself and your own emotions. And it's not okay to fly off the handle all the time and whatever. But, um, in my own time, in my own space, on my own podcast, whatever, like I feel like it is important to honor emotion and to speak truthfully. And I think last episode I had a moment of vulnerability that um, it was the ending of the recording of the podcast, but I had put it first as the intro. But um, I kind of ended on a note of like uh, – kind of like reflecting on something that I have trouble with for myself, which is um, I think it was like planning and, and, and being assertive, not, not to anybody else, but assertive just with my own self, my own plans and my own goals. Um, my, my voice is shaking as I say that because, you know, I, I, I want to be a free spirit and that's something that I pride myself on and that I've, you know, I live my life in a way where, um, I want to do whatever I want, you know, that's something that it's a mantra to me. It's like, it's really important to me because not just for me, but for, um, the sake of my ancestors who I feel like have suffered so much, like I'm Vietnamese and my ancestors, especially my women ancestors have really not had a lot of autonomy in their lives. Um, and, you know, I think it's gotten more and more liberal, you know, as the gen, generations go on but with me it's a totally new level and it's a complete um game changer I feel like me being in America me being a woman with honestly um of course sexism we still live in an environment of sexism and women are not as free as you know like you know I, I would say the you know women are not as free as men are however um there's no denial that you know, I have more autonomy in my life than I feel like my mother did, my grandmother did, um, in going generations back, you know, and, and, and that is part of, you know, just the social and the cultural, um, norms and, and expectations that they had put on them, um, which I feel like they dealt with, you know, very well. And, and it's clear to me who they would have been if the pressure was not there. They were thriving businesswomen, especially on my mom's side, but also on my dad's side. My grandma is quick, a quick-witted lady and, you know, so resilient, 
a complete like rise above the situation kind of person. Like she went through tragedy, you know, during the Vietnam War and basically like her having her husband going into exile and, and, and all this other stuff, raising all these kids herself, making ends meet financially. Like she really did it. And she not only met the expectations, I think she really exceeded them because I think the family did better financially as her, you know, with her as the breadwinner and the main um, provider than, you know, although my although my grandpa was a government worker and that's a whole thing, you know, I have a struggle with that because um, I think growing up I was, you know, if you're a child of immigrants, Vietnamese immigrants in, in America, chances are likely, um, especially if they if your parents or grandparents or whoever you came here or, you know, came here before you were um, refugees or, or refugees of the Vietnam War, then it's likely that you're, um, you know, a Vietnamese nationalist, and that's the party that um, your family's from. And and the Vietnamese Nationalist Party, you know, the, you grow up with these, you know, I, I went to Vietnamese school, and there are these flags that have um, the three red stripes, which is the old flag. And, and now in Vietnam, the flag is the red star. And so the story, you know, behind that, it's, it's tricky because the, the Nationalist Party, I mean, I think it was right before um, – revival or you know overturn um but of course that's that's completely different than the the realities and the the practical um messiness of of war and overturn of a government so i am not educated enough i feel like on how well socialism works in vietnam today but i will say that you know be it because of the Socialist Party or the American interference, which I know has a huge part with, you know, the number of deaths and the violence and the rapes and all the things that happen, you know, um, to people on both sides, on on everywhere, you know. So, I, I mean, what I'm saying is my grandpa worked for the nationalist government, which like I said, was definitely, I feel like, due for revival. I mean, I don't think revival is the right word. Uh, it's It was due for, it was a time for governmental change. There was a lot of corruption in the government. And, you know, it was like Vietnam was the place where, you know, you could kind of, if you had money, you could get anything in the government. You could get strings pulled and all that other stuff. And there was a lot of bribery, corruption, et cetera. And that's not okay in a government. And I think that's a huge part of why the Socialist Party, like Ho Chi Minh, um, had so much support and all this other stuff. Like, people were getting sick and tired of that, you know? And um, so it's it's a weird thing because I grew up kind of just, like, being from the viewpoint of America, right? Like, America had no fucking business, like, doing all the shit that they did in Vietnam. And so I think that all the anger that I have channeled towards you know, American government interference is valid, but um, I didn't really know how to f- how to feel or 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 what to believe about um, specifically like my family and and my family's political beliefs and my family's government work and all this other stuff, um, and and how that related to the current party in Vietnam, like current Vietnam socialist Vietnam, and. You know, it's it's a more it's grayer than I thought it was. It's not black and white. You know, um, I I will say that I 
you know, not that I believe that I think that socialism is perfect in Vietnam, but, you know, it's not the crash and burn that it, you know, that my, probably my grandpa and my grandpa's circles and, and, you know, like my, my family circles, um, believe that it is, you know? So it's, it's interesting. Like there's, it's kind of like learning. Obviously it's very different because, um, but, but just to kind of convey the energy, it's kind of like learning that your family, um, was like a, uh, what's it called in the South where they're like, a that the party that tried to concede or whatever, you know, like kind of like realizing that your family was that, you know, back in the day, it's kind of like that in Vietnam, not perfectly similar. And the, like I said, the American interference, like blew the situation way out of proportion, way out of proportion, like way bigger than it would have been without American interference and using, you know, America using Vietnam as a scapegoat for, you know, what was happening in Vietnam as the scapegoat situation for like communism, their, their view of like how bad communism was. So very different due to that American interference. Um, but low key kind of the same energy, you know what I mean? So, um, if it was just like, like if we were just looking at Vietnam and not looking at America, then I feel like my, uh, family, was on, on the wrong side of history, you know, just pure point blank, like no American interference, just looking at the two sides of Vietnam, old government, new government. So that was a weird thing for me to learn. And, uh, I don't know why I went to that tangent, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, so anyway, but all that said, you know, that's just to, that's just to bring awareness to the fact that I, I do have a certain level of knowledge and awareness of, the situation and, and it's not just like, um, you know, that, that my family and my, the people that I come from are, that had, had the worst end of the stick, you know, had the, in, in the situation. I'd say that for a lot of, you know, there were a lot of people who were worse off, lots, lots of families who were worse off. Clearly we had enough help from the American government and enough help, you know, help in quotations, huge quotation marks and whatever, but um, money and everything to, to, to find refuge in America. And so um, it's not necessarily survivor's guilt, but it's a lower, like, lessened version of that, you know? Anyway, um, that said, I still feel like I, I have a right to um, say that my the women in my family deserved better than what they received in life. And I'm here, a part, a big part of how I live my life is to really express autonomy, express freedom and individuality that n they never really received the chance to do, to do, you know? Um, and so that's, not to get too deep into it, but that's really why I feel like I have so much distaste for strict discipline, distaste for um, any sort of like putting myself in a box, putting myself in any sort of prison, whatever. And people, I know that people can put themselves in their own prisons. I know that is true. And that's honestly, I'm over the fear of like somebody else putting me up in a prison or whatever. Like I've really, um, I'm grateful. I'm really grateful to, to not really experience that anymore. Like I feel 
you know, I pride myself on being, um, some might say selfish. I say assertive. I say, you know, um, clear on boundaries and, um, clear on, on my locus of control, you know, and that's something I really am, I, you know, I feel good about myself when I think about that part of myself. And I, that's something where like my soul and my behaviors are in agreeance. And I feel really happy with that and really glad with that. And I don't want that to change. My struggle, my internal struggle is fear of putting myself in those boundaries, fear of putting myself in a prison of discipline, of habits, of rules, of rituals, of things that I can't escape or of expectations that I can't escape, you know? Um, and, and, and having that take me away, being too focused, taking – and it's ridiculous. It's kind of funny because that's something that I – you know, I have ADHD, whatever. And by the way, today I'm on an Adderall, so if I sound any different, I'd be really interested – I mean, I'm going to listen back to this and be interested to know how if how I sound different, if I do sound different. Um, I think I sound a little more serious and I'm less, um, you know, but like I'm a little more serious and that's okay. I'm going with it right now. But uh, yeah, so that's um, the reasoning behind my aversion to to routine, my aversion to setting plans or my aversion to setting goals even, you know? Um, And it's interesting because that hasn't always been the case. Before, excuse me, I just burped. (laughs) Before I had this kind of, um, you know, before I kind of knew this about myself that I wanted to protect my freedom, my creativity, whatever, I was totally fine with keeping a planner and going to school and whatever. I I mean, that was my goal for a minute, not just a minute, for most of my life. Um, My goal, I mean, I I was like, I need to get my shit together. That's my ultimate goal. And there's, you know, if I go back into my journals, that's something that I really struggled with is I I didn't care a damn about creativity and preserving creativity and all this other stuff. My concern was not being able to get my shit together. And that was something that I really wanted to do. That's, you know, I mean, there were um, many reasons and and reasons out of the heart and reasons out of wanting to help the world and wanting to make a difference and stuff that I started, you know, going into the path of healthcare. But another one was just like, that's, you know, being, first I wanted to be a nurse, you know, and then it was perfusionist and stuff, but like basically healthcare. It's like what it symbolized and represented to me was, kind of having my shit together, being able to be on time, being able to be diligent, being able to do whatever. And now it's so funny because my fear is almost the reverse of that, like being too disciplined, being too diligent, being basically um, a victim of capitalism and being so, you know, into action and doing things that I forget who I am and forget my soul and forget my body and forget my own individual spirit, you know? And it's weird because it's like really the opposite struggle right now. Um, And that just, you know, on a bigger level, on a larger scope that might just show like how hard I am on myself where like, you know, I can achieve or learn, learn how to do one thing. And then I'm looking at the other side and saying, I want to do the other thing. But, um, You know, I think stagnation is a big part of, of like, 
I don't know. I was going to say stagnation is a part of growth, but I don't really know if that's true. And, 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 and I definitely look back and even when in moments where I felt like I was stagnated or, or stopping, I was never stopping, you know, like I think the best and clearest model of like the progression of life and how that works for me is really a bicycle where it's like, you're always moving, you know, you're always moving, even when, you know, if you look at a bicycle without, I don't know, like it might feel like you're just going in circles and you're just repeating patterns and, you know, like you're not going anywhere, but, and you're just repeating and repeating and repeating. But if you look at it, big picture, you're always moving forward, you know? Um, so God, (laughs) I don't know. Um, and it's hard because like, you know, I go through so many stages of, of, experience and and intern I mean internal experience like out externally I don't really um it's weird because I don't really have you know I know a lot of people like to travel and stuff and I like to travel I would like to travel more and take vacations and stuff but I don't really feel a need to get away you know I don't really feel a need to physically like move somewhere get away um and it's it's mostly internal you know um, but I've, I've gone through, I've gone through so many seasons and I've gone through so many things in this body and, and just like my internal experience that, you know, it's hard to know who I am. And, and I think that's part of why I like to journal and part of why I like to just explore, be introspective or whatever, and have a podcast and stuff is like, I just want to have a record and be able to go back and read through things, listen through things and see kind of the common thread, you know? And, Another thing that helps me a lot with really like knowing myself and, and, and going back to my roots and everything is um, connecting with friends who've known me for a really long time. And that's something that I'm in- incredibly, incredibly grateful for is having friends and staying connected, like really connected where like, you know, not like we talk all the time. My best friend and I don't talk all the time. We talk maybe a couple times a year. We meet up a couple times a year. I mean, we stay in touch through text and we really, we really do text often and, and whatever, but like, you know, that's different than meeting up in person. And we meet up in person a couple times a year. And it's like, I'm so grateful for that friendship. I'm, I'm thinking of one specific friend right now. And I'm so grateful for the friendship where, you know, we just know each other. We can, you know, like I said, not see each other for several months, but then when we meet up, it's, the same and and you access that part of yourself that's really consistent and we all have that and it's so bizarre to me that I have that because I feel like I change so much and maybe like it sounds you know naive for me to say that and 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 like people who are going through what I'm going through like it's it's a cliche, it's common for me to say that or, or whatever expected, but it's the truth. I feel like I don't know who I am often, you know? And um, when I connect with this friend who I see rarely, or I connect with people who, you know, I've known for a long time and who've known me for a long time and stuff, and, and I see, and we just share stories and reminisce and stuff, and then it's like, it becomes very clear that there are parts of us that stay the same. And, um, you know, I mean, I always kind of know what those parts are. I know that I'm 
kind of random, kind of extreme, kind of like just quirky, whatever, like in, and it's not, I mean, it's, it's expressed in how I dress, but it's also like, you know, just like me, you know, a part of me who I am kind of like, um, yeah. And, and, and thoughtful and very, you know, in my head, but also like, I have this zest for life. I have this lust for life. I have this just poetic passion for life, you know? And that's something that I, another thing that I really like about myself. So, um, yeah. And I think um, I'm finally coming out on the other end of the struggle that I went in knowing it was going to be major confusion, confusion. major confusion like I remember being at home this was like I think a month before I moved out um to the first place I moved out to before before this house so um I left my parents house and moved to a little um townhouse with a roommate a female roommate she was very kind she was very sweet very nice Um, but her boyfriend was there all the time. He like lived there, even though he had his own place. Apparently I never saw him leave to his own place. He was always there and they were both very kind and very fitness and and good energy, but they were a little older than me. They were in their thirties and they were kind of just too anal (laughs) for me to navigate and, and really breathe. Um, I, they don't know any of this and I would never say it to them because not because I'm not confrontational, just because I feel like they had a right to be like that. And I, I, I strove to be that way too. So I didn't really see it as a problem. I wanted to be like them, but I just wasn't there yet with my own discipline or whatever. And so it was a situation where, um, I felt, you know, I had my own bathroom, which was so fucking nice. So, so dope. Cause I love taking baths. So like, I think if I think back to that environment, my favorite thing was being in the bath, (laughs) being in the bath and being in my room and chilling and really, you know, just, we didn't, I kept it, you know, we kept it so that we didn't know each other that well. And so it was like, I could really be at peace there. And I felt really at peace in a way that was, um, I was wrapped in my own solitude at peace. So sometimes I felt lonely there and, um, whatever, but it was like really nice. And, at the same time, it's been confusion. So anyway, that's, I realized I just started talking about something that's not the point. So the point is that I was at my parents' house about to move out. And it was, I think, before I even found the townhouse or whatever. But I was journaling and, you know, I consistently journal. So I was journaling and it was like, I know I'm going into a situation where I'm going to be really confused. I, you know, up to that point, I had found a lot of clarity and I was existing in this space of clarity and enjoy, but it was starting to get boring. And I was like, okay, I know I'm going to hit a, a wall on, on, you know, I'm growing up tall. I'm like a tree spiritually. I'm like growing up and I, I'm hitting a wall. I need to, to break through this wall. It's going to be some discomfort, some confusion. And I might feel like I'm taking several steps back. And I thought that since I had that, like, beginner's awareness that it wasn't going to happen, meaning like I wasn't going to get so confused. I wasn't going to have growing pains because I was so aware that they were going to happen that maybe it meant that it wasn't going to happen, you know, but, you know, life finds a way. And so I was very confused and I'm still very confused, but I feel like I'm finally coming to the end of that. I'm kind of like finally peeking through 
um, the rubble, the dirt, the, the whatever of the ceiling that I'm breaking through, if that makes sense. So, um, one thing yesterday that happened after I did the podcast, I did some reading and the book that I'm reading, I don't remember who it's by and I don't feel like getting it, but it's called originals and it's, um, a book on basically, I think it's for like people in business world, you know, tech world, entrepreneurship world where, um, whatever it's like the intro is written by Cheryl Strandberg, the author of lean in. So, you know, that kind of book, but and I'm barely into it, but um, an idea that really struck me as interesting, and there's a lot of facts and whatever to back it up, is like we hear all these stories about people who do inspiring things and do crazy risky things. And it seems like they're just going in all in on their risk and they're just going through and that's how they make it happen. But turns out a lot of these people who take these big risks, they keep their day jobs and they keep their, you know, they, they, they hesitate a lot and, and hesitation and, and idleness is not indication that, you know, you're, you don't have the balls to make it or whatever. And that's something that I really believed going into like starting my own business and going into business world was you have to really have the balls to like, you know, cut everything out that's not that's not supposed to be there or whatever, you know? And I was really, I mean, in this podcast, I've talked about wanting to quit my job and wanting to quit school and really just focus on the business. But, you know, there's something keeping me from doing that because I don't want to just start the business and really have all this anxiety take over me and, and not do the best work or do shot like a shoddy business work and whatever, like try to go on the fast track of growth and whatever, and basically just be desperate. Like, um, I found that in my life that, you know, like you don't big decisions and big actions, like I always like, um, I'm not against taking big actions and I like to do that. Like everybody who knows me knows that I'm sometimes dramatic and extreme in like what I do, but in a way that's not like, I'm going to fall on my ass hard if it doesn't work out. You know, I always have certain cushions and certain safety nets in place before I take a big risk. And I thought that that was a bad thing, you know, but then I mean, I thought that that was a bad thing that that made me not entrepreneur material, not startup material, what whatever. And I'm reading this book and this guy, he's talking about how like, that's totally not true. Michelangelo had to be convinced for two years before he would do the painting on the whatever, the Sistine Chapel or whatever. Martin Luther King a group, an organization, a non, an, a, 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 like a, a group of organizers had to get together and basically convince him and make it so that he, it was really easy for him and, and really, you know, practical for him to, to make that leap of, of being, doing whatever stuff that he did, you know? And so, and, and Sarah Blakely, I know Sarah Blakely's story. She kept her day job for two years as she started Spanx. She didn't just quit and start Spanx, you know? and work on Spanx the moment she had an idea to do it. And, you know, a ton of different startups more recently, Warby Parker, Google, even Microsoft, these people stayed in their day jobs, stayed in their studies, stayed in their school after they had this idea that they really did believe in. But, you know, it just wasn't practical for them to to ditch their responsibilities quite yet. And that's exactly where I am 
And it's so crazy that I've never heard these stories before. I've only heard the inspiring, you know, version that's like, oh, this person went all in after they had this idea and then da-da-da. And I'm like, I'm not like that. Why why am I not like that? Does that mean that I'm too risk averse to do these things? But you know, if you think of I was I was not even 21 years old starting a business, registering the business. And I'm still paying monthly fees. And I'm, I mean, I'm more in than a lot of people are in their hustle, if that makes sense, if you think about it. And I think that reading this book so far, like just that one part has really given me resounding affirmation that I'm on the right path. And it's something that I have been looking for for a very long time. And I think that I was starting to lose faith in, in the universe and in life because I was like, why have I not found this? I'm working so hard. I'm looking so hard to find the information that I need and da 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 da, you know? And it's crazy because it's not something you can explain to somebody who's, say, a scientist. Like, you can't just be like, I'm looking for something. And um... sorry, I'm, I restarted the recording but um yeah like it's not it's not a science it's not like you know if you were to tell somebody like oh I'm looking for this I'm looking for this like um confirmation I'm looking for a sign I'm looking for whatever and da 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 and it's like a research of something then scientists researchers whatever will be like that's confirmation bias that's wrong but you know life is different. It's like your your spirit, whatever, is different. You need a sense of purpose. And if you lose your sense of purpose, you need to get back on that and, and look for it, you know? And that's not, that's not anything but just, you know, it's not survival. It's not coping, whatever, which thinking about it in that way sent me into depression. Part, you know, that was part of why I was set into depression is because like any, you know, optimism, whatever, it's like you have to look for it. And that really bothered me. And I get that. I, that makes sense why it bothers me. And I'm, I don't mean to invalidate that part of myself. But, you know, it is what it is. And um, it is true that we tend to look for optimism more than we, you know, like we look for optimism, da, 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 like that's part of, but that's honestly like on the grand scale, like on, in the grand scheme of things, that's why humans I think have, have done, not that we've done it with no mistakes or whatever, but that's how we move forward as a species, you know, it's, I think part of it is our optimism and just because we have to look for it doesn't mean it's not natural, you know? Um, because like I said, it's not, it's a different thing than a science. It's a different, this is, you know, spirituality is very personal and it has to be very personal. And I think that it's different for everybody. It depends greatly on, you know, what kind of culture, society, family, environment you grew up in. And for me, I just know that I'm somebody who I'm a thinker, you know? And so for outside, I don't, you know, like this is regardless of what's happened on the outside, you know, I know on the outside, I don't seem to be doing that badly. I'm working, going to school. I have the business that, you know, yeah, I'm having a little bit of a struggle, like working on the business, but I'll get there. Da, 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 I'll be fine. Da, 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 da. 
inside it did not feel like that it felt very cold it felt very sad it felt very lonely it felt very lost and um it was a huge bummer because i before this feeling of confusion and being lost took hold i was really at a place where i felt really glad because before that it's not like i've never felt this before i did when i was i'd say like 15 so this is like five years ago I went through a period where it was really, really hard for me and I came out of it and I was so proud of myself for coming out of it that going back into it sucked ass so hard. Um, even though I didn't go into it like as, you know, as, as lost as I was the first time, I, I had a little bit more awareness on how to navigate and how to keep the daily life stuff going, you know, but Internally, it was really hard. And um, as crazy as it is to say, like, I really do think that um, it was kind of necessary. And I, I knew that I was going into it when I was going into it. But all the searching, all the confusion, all this other stuff, like, it's really um, starting to sh bear fruit. And um, it's crazy because you don't know that it's going to bear fruit. You don't you know, you really have to just hold on and keep doing what you're doing because you don't know that it's going to bear fruit before it actually does, you know, like, because it might not. Um, but yesterday I was reading originals and that really like, because I was when I, you know, I kind of have this bullshit detector. And when I'm reading stories of people who are like, Oh, like they they made it big. Like they their company made it big because they went all in and they had this crazy idea. And they're you know like I don't believe I do believe that people are cut from different cloths, and I do believe in you know whatever people have differing levels of creativity and different differing levels of you know technical skill too. So people are different. People are unique, and they have different sets of skills and different sets of gifts and things like that. And I believe in that, but. I don't think that I, – I never really bought it when I saw stories where it was like success came so easily to somebody or like they just kind of did what everybody else was doing and then – but they worked harder and so they struck out. You know, like I know that there's – that's not it, you know, because I don't know. I just knew it. I just knew it. And I know that there's some way for somebody like me who, you know, I wouldn't say I'm the most hardest working person or anything – but I do feel like I have the sauce. And I, I was like, why do I feel like I have the sauce, you know? And and why doesn't it resonate with me when I see the stuff that like is like, oh, these people, they were in a rut and then they just got out of it and then they had they they achieved major success, you know, like and um what I needed to hear was the the story that I heard yesterday of all these stories of people who you know, seemingly were risk takers, whatever, but they weren't even big risk takers. I mean, yes, they were big risk takers, but they were also really good at mitigating risk. So they were, you know, they, like I said, held their day jobs, held their whatever, like held their um, positions in school and, and, and their doctorates. And, you know, like they were P like PhD students stayed in their PhD programs and, you know, like, founders a lot of like and entrepreneurs are actually more risk averse than other people which was a weird thing for me to read um yeah i'm 
I'm really blown away by life. Life is just crazy. Like, because it really makes you doubt yourself. It really makes you doubt shit. And then it comes right back and it's like, hey, bitch, you should not have doubted me because uh, you really brought all that suffering onto yourself because look at me, I'm coming right back. And uh, I'm gonna give you reasons to be grateful. You just uh, needed to be grateful regardless. And so um, that's where I am. I'm going to continue reading the book because I have to start doing school stuff pretty soon, but I'm going to go back to reading the book because it's just been really nice. And, and um, I think that it's like kind of uh, not end game as an end game, but end game for me as far as like all this, um, this particular confusion regarding whether or not I entrepreneur material, whether or not I, I'm doing it right. I'm doing the business thing right and whatever because um, I was – self-doubt was starting to really um, – I mean, it's been really hindering and um, that's kind of starting to liberate itself um, for me and I mean I'm starting to get over it and so – Feels really good, really glad, um, thankful for the lessons. So, yeah, just kind of sitting here in awe at life right now and uh, full of hope. <laughs>